It's my third cousin once removed Hillary Clinton's birthday. I was unaware that Hillary was begotten rather than created, as a friend of mine said he saw her fall like lightning from heaven. But we'll celebrate the big day by counting our blessings this year. Then PragerU CEO Marissa Streit comes in studio to discuss her conservative group's new lawsuit against Google. I love it. Red Pill Black, Candace Owens, Amanda Prestigiacomo, and Jacob Airy join the panel of deplorables to analyze Ashley Judd's new tone on sexual assault, the JFK papers, and why scientists say the universe shouldn't exist. Finally, your most pressing questions are answered in the mailbag. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. We have a lot to get to today. I obviously want to wish my cousin Hillary Clinton a proper happy birthday. But first, we, we really need to count our blessings because we have sponsors. We have people who keep this the isn't lights real. on. I know. It doesn't feel like, it feels like the universe shouldn't exist, just, just like this. But nevertheless, they're very nice. They help us keep the lights on. And it's a fabulous product. I am talking, of course, about Ring. Now, you might have seen Ring before. I, uh, I'm not a cool guy, but some of my friends are cool guys. And all of my cool guy friends have this doorbell that has a, a video camera in it. So you ring the bell, and then it's zapped right to your phone. So even if you're not in the house, you can be in the house, and you see who's at the door and talk to them and whatever. Or you can be at your office, or you can be at the store, or you can be on, sitting on the beach. And it's, it's a, a new technology for the 21st century. And what their mission is is to make neighborhoods safer. So it's really like a neighborhood watch for the 21st century, a home security system for the 21st century. They have their this classic technology, the video doorbell. Uh, over a million people are using that right now to help protect their homes. But uh, Ring also knows that uh, home security begins at the front door, but it doesn't end at the front door. So they have uh, the new that same level of security in their Ring floodlight cam. So you know you go up to someone's house, you probably know this, especially the Michael Knowles Show audience, when you're trying to break into people's houses, that, that uh, cam goes, or the, rather that light goes on and catches you because it's motion, it detects motion. That's what this does, except there's a camera in it. It's immediately uploaded to the cloud. You can have a peace of mind and know that your house and your family and your possessions are safe because you can see who's trying to break in. Uh, you can see and speak to visitors. You can set off an alarm right from your phone. Uh, when things go bump in the night, you'll immediately know what that is, whether you're home or away. The floodlight cam lets you keep an eye on your home from anywhere. So it, it is the ultimate in home security protection. It's, uh, it's you know, highly visible floodlights, HD camera. It's all, you know, very high technology. And with Ring, you're always at home. You don't need to worry about it. You don't need to worry, tell your neighbor, hey, check on my house for me. Hey, make sure nothing goes wrong. You can see it just right on your phone. Right now, for our listeners and our viewers, Ring is offering one up to $150 off their uh, Ring security kit. If you go to ring.com slash Knowles, that's K-N-O-W-L-E-S, ring.com slash Knowles. Go there right now. You know, they did, they did a study in LA. They, they gave a bunch of Ring technology to a sort of seedy neighborhood. Within six months, there was a 55% reduction in home bur burglaries. At least go and check it out right now. I, I think you're going to be convinced. Ring.com slash Knowles. Save some money and keep your home and your neighborhood safe. Okay. Now let's get into my cousin Hillary Clinton's birthday. This is obviously a special day. I brought in just a little, a little something to celebrate it. Um, here we go. We, we didn't have a cake in the office, so I, I, I'm using a Newton bar. 
Let's just get that lit, okay. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Mrs. Never, ever, 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 ever going to be president. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Hillary. Let's just do a little recap of this year for Hillary Clinton. I hope my hair is still okay <laughs> after my Marilyn Monroe wig. It looks good. Okay, good. Thank you. I knew it. It's just been that kind of year. Uh, Hillary Clinton is not president. That's a pretty good thing. Uh, the book she wrote, Blaming Russian Interference for Not Being President, sold about as many physical copies as my completely blank book, Making Fun of Her Political Party, released during her, uh, during her campaign or slightly after. Now we have learned that that Russian narrative is actually the reverse. It was the Democrats who were colluding with foreigners, including with links to Russia, to interfere in our electoral process. And conservatives have never had a stronger voice in the media or culture. Proving my point is my guest in the studio, Marissa Streit, the CEO of Prager University. Marissa, thanks for coming. It is so great to be here. This story that PragerU is suing YouTube, suing Google, it might be my favorite story in the news, and there's a lot of competition here. Why are you suing Google? So we're suing them because what they're doing is obviously wrong. Um, and and just for people, I think everyone in the conservative movement is aware of this. YouTube is banning your videos. Right. So we have about 250 videos. One fifth of our portfolio, uh, that's 50 videos, are being either restricted or demonetized by YouTube and Google. They just which ones? Nobody knows why. Well, I mean, some of them, just... it's, it's not like these are violent videos. These are pretty, these are five-minute explainer videos on perfectly interesting topics. And when they restrict it, you can't see them in universities and in high schools, right? Right. So that's how we found <laughs> out that the videos were restricted, because some of our college students started emailing us saying, hey, did you take down that video that I saw last night? Where are they? And we're like, no, we didn't take it down. So we started looking into it, and they, we found out that they were on restricted mode. So, Is there any explanation? Have they offered you any explanation as to why they allow these topics to be talked about on the left? They're all over YouTube. They allow crazy content all on YouTube. But sober videos explaining facts about academic subjects, that, that's not allowed. I mean, think about the crazy content that's on YouTube. That's exactly how I crazy. produce a lot of it. I know. It's <laughs> I know, shocking. I know. It's crazy that ours is. Um, and it's, uh, Alan Dershowitz has done a video for us on Israel's legal founding. He called me a few weeks ago at, as we started discussing this case because he's involved in, uh, in us suing. And he said to me, Marissa, I mean, what's going on? Does YouTube think that I'm like super attractive, pornographic? <laughs> I was like, Alan, don't you worry. Maybe Dennis Prager. Yeah, yeah. Alan Dershowitz is many things. <laughs> right. He's not no. pornographic or sensual. Yeah, mm -hmm. no. I mean, they clearly hover over our channel because oftentimes videos are restricted within an, within the hour. And they just, you know, press the button and they decide that that video is ideologically inappropriate and therefore should be restricted. Are they going to restrict my video? You know, it's pretty shocking that they haven't restricted it yet. You might not be as attractive as I, Alan Dershowitz. I'm really that upset. Might be the issue. Alan Dershowitz is much more sensuous than I am. I disagree with being beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I, did, well, I did this video for Prager. You just came out today. And I love that this is all in the news now, that you guys are taking on Google. Is there some worry? Because I've, I've heard some conservatives say, well, Google's a private company. It's a, they can do what they want. It's not a free speech issue. Why are they wrong? Well, first of all, Google defines itself as a public forum, right? It, its mission is to aggregate and make the world's information useful. So it's not only that we're saying that they're the biggest vehicle of communications 
of today and possibly of all times, mm -hmm. right? They are saying it as well, and they're claiming that that's what they are. So yes, they're a private company, but so are shopping malls, right? So what shopping malls are gonna say, well, no conservatives can uh, walk in here, no shop, you know, no shops owned by conservatives. Obviously, that's discrimination. So private companies are also, you know, they also have to abide by discrimination laws. And this is not just some little lawsuit that's going to make the news and be thrown out. You've got some pretty heavy hitters who are behind this thing. Yes. So Governor Pete Wilson, former governor of California, has come to us. It was actually his idea to just put the foot on the gas and actually sue because honestly, little Prager you, I mean, we're not that little anymore and we're getting much bigger. It's one of the biggest forces on the we're right. We're talking about Google here. It's Goliath, right? So Governor Wilson was the one who said, listen, you have to take it on. I mean, it's forgotten country. Somebody has to do it. Just make it happen. And he's been basically the, the force behind the legal team. What are you hoping to get out of it? Do you think, is this a just a stunt or is this winnable? I hope it's winnable because if it's not winnable, uh, conservatives are going to lose the internet as they have lost the universities. Mm -hmm. So this is a pretty big deal. I mean, we see what's happening on universities today. Can you imagine that Google owns the internet? I mean, the way, or that the left owns the inter internet, the way the left owns the university, that's a pretty big deal. So. We intend on doing whatever we can to win this. Because I've been thrilled at, for so long, conservatives were kept out of the culture, kept out of cultural institutions, publishing in New York, Hollywood, the entertainment industry, and then there's the internet, and then there's this wild west, and conservatives are so much funnier on the internet. It's There is no comparison. When I think of the left on the internet, I think of that meme of Sandra Fluke, and she's like, you know, frowning, it's like, that's not funny, wah, wah, wah. That, and, but conservatives have a great time. You get, you know, Steve Crowder, you get all of these great voices out there. And same thing with academic stuff. So the universities are completely hostile to conservatives. They fire professors who are not completely left-wing Democrats. They're still Democrats, but they're not far enough left. They're punishing students. They're censoring speech. They're kicking Shapiro off because he's the scariest Jewish neo-Nazi in the country, according to them. At least we have Prager University. You can go, you can get these five-minute educational videos. You can actually learn something. Is that why they're going after us there? Is it because they see this is our, this is our chance to have a cultural impact? Well, we're obviously very effective. You know, we're obviously very effective. 16% of our viewership said that they changed the way they voted in the last election. That's a pretty big deal. Wow. Uh, you know, we have over a million subscribers on YouTube alone. Obviously, Google is paying attention to us, so we're obviously very effective. Mm -hmm. And they're trying to prevent us from reaching that very young audience that we're trying to reach. So that's the battle here, right? I mean, they wouldn't be picking us on us if we weren't successful and effective. Of course. Which, by the way, there are tons of copycats out there on YouTube that download our videos and re-upload them and I'll let you guess, they are not restricted. Mm -hmm. So they're making money wow. off the PragerU videos that we make because, you know, obviously YouTube is not paying attention to Should I not to be doing that? I <laughs> Marshall needs a side hustle because we don't pay him anything here. That is astounding because we're talking about the exact same content. The content, <laughs> the content is downloaded by other channels and uploaded and is monetized and not restricted, but on our channel. So clearly it's not an algorithm. Mm -hmm. you know, some people out there might be thinking, well, it you know, maybe it's up. an algorithm or whatever. No, it's not only clearly not an algorithm because of the copycats, but they have 
after we have launched our petition and we had you know close to 300,000 signatures on it, YouTube has started responding to us and they said, well, we'll review your content. And in fact, we have reviewed your content. And once reviewing your content, we decided that they should be restricted. Wow. So it's not an algorithm. This is not community. Yes, it's not community you know, flagging. They have admitted that in writing. And that's when we decided to sue because we're like, wait, wait a second. You know, this is obviously discrimination. It's a violation here. of contract. Absolutely. That now, so you've got a million subscribers on YouTube. They know who you are. You're one of the biggest channels on YouTube. 250 videos. Do you know how many views you have? Because I know most of, most of these videos get a million views at least. Right. So it depends on the video. We've had a video that has gone so viral that it had 53 million uh, views. That was the, the video on the Electoral College. Um, and we have some videos that reach about 2 million views. The average viewership in total between our website, YouTube, and, and, uh, and Facebook, of course, is about 2 to 3 million viewers a day. 2 to 3 million viewers a day, and the left just can't abide that. That is just too many viewers, too many people changing their votes away from my cousin Hillary Clinton. Way too conservative for we, that. All right. Well, we got to, she's dangerous. we got to get her out of here, Marshall. Marissa, <laughs> thank you for being here. I love it. I'll be, I'll be eating popcorn at, when I read every single news article about this lawsuit. <laughs> right. Thanks, Marissa. Thanks. All right. We have to move on. We have so much in the news today. So... Before, you know, before we move on, I will say, well, I did this PragerU video today, so uh, we, let's just play a quick little cut of that. You can see the whole thing on YouTube. What is the alt-right? Everybody has an opinion about it, but nobody seems to know exactly what it is. So I took it upon myself to find out. I took a deep dive into alt-right culture. I read their books, listened to their podcasts, watched their videos, followed their blogs, and spoke personally to their leaders. Here's what I learned. First, they're really small, like your high school reunion small. That big national alt-right gathering in Charlottesville in August 2017, yeah, that attracted all of about 600 people. And that's on the high end of estimates. And that infamous torch rally on the evening of August 11th, there were maybe 100 tiki torch carriers. But however small it is, the alt-right does have a belief system, a worldview. It's right there in their name. The alt in alt-right means alternative. The alt-right is an alternative to American conservatism. So it's no surprise then that the alt-right has far more in common with the left, another alternative to conservatism, than it does with the traditional American right. Uh, this goes on for a while. If you want to learn what the alt-right actually is, and we, we delve into what it is, and also if you want to see me compare uh, the entire left to a handful of neo-Nazis for four minutes. I suggest you go check it out on YouTube. Uh, re really amazing stuff, though. We'll see when that gets demonetized and restricted by YouTube, of course. That's when I get fired, right? That's what, that is exactly when you get fired. That's right. Now let's bring on our panel, because I, I want all the panel on to talk about the news today. We have a great panel from the YouTubes, speaking of them. We have Red Pill Black, Candace Owens. We have Amanda Prestigiacomo from The Daily Wire. And we have Jacob Airy, who we found muttering to himself on the sidewalk. Thank you all for being here. In the news is Ashley Judd. She's, she always finds her way back into the news. Here is Ashley Judd screaming about Donald Trump and sexual assault. I... I'm a nasty woman. I'm not as nasty as a man who looks like he bathes in Cheeto dust. And I didn't know devils could be resurrected, but I feel Hitler 
in these streets. A mustache traded for a toupee. Nazis renamed the cabinet electroconversion therapy, the new gas chamber, shaming the gay out of America, turning rainbows into suicide. Notes, I am not as nasty as racism, fraud, conflict of interest, homophobia, sexual assault. Wow, she's so fired up against that sexual assault. She, uh, you know, now that Harvey Weinstein has been accused uh, by a gazillion women of doing things much, much worse than what Donald Trump is accused of, she must have really just laid right into him, right? What would you say to Harvey Weinstein today? What I would say to Harvey is, I love you and I understand that you are sick and suffering. And there is help for a guy like you, too. I, I love you. I, she, what would you say to a guy like Harvey Weinstein? I love you. <laughs> oh my goodness. Red pill black. Why did Ashley have that, that incredible change of heart? You know, what better way to celebrate Hillary Clinton's birthday than with another woman who completely slaughtered feminism? I mean, this is why <laughs> nobody likes feminism. You're under a pussy hat saying that you hate Donald Trump, and then you simultaneously are telling people that you love Harvey Weinstein. I mean, they're ab they've absolutely just lost their minds. It's, it's amazing to watch. By the way, she sounds like she's at a Baptist church when she's giving that speech earlier. Oh, I know. But now, but then she sounds really somber when she's talking about the guy that she knows, the guy in show business. There's this huge change. Amanda, it's often said that feminists let Democrats off the hook for this kind of stuff because Democrats are pro-abortion. That's the only issue women should care about, their pro-abortion. We'll sweep Bill Clinton's sexual harassment, sexual assault under mm -hmm. the rug. Why, why is abortion the big issue? Why, is that it? Like, why do the Democrats have this sacramental view of abortion? Yeah, I think it's uh, because cause feminism has kind of morphed into, um, you know, sameness. So it's just like avoid, like, there can be no differences between men and women. So that those biological differences where women are, you know, they have children, like that happens. They want to just negate any differences possible and abortion kind of helps that, right? Like you don't have to have children, um, you to stay in the workforce, don't be a stay at home mom. There's all these signals to kind of reject any femininity, reject anything, um, reject biology even. So that's why abortion is so important to them and they're willing to overlook, you know, guys like Weinstein, guys like Bill Clinton because They'll promote abortion. I mean, Weinstein was the biggest feminist in Hollywood, mm -hmm. um, and 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 you know Ashley Judd was was personally affected by him. Apparently, she said that you know in a hotel room 20 years ago, he came on to her, and then she basically said that she would sleep with him after she won an Oscar to get out of it. Um, you know, and and that's all well and good. She didn't warn any other girls. Nothing else happened, but you know, someone says hi to her in the airport and she goes on a, you know, a Facebook live rant and loses her darn mind. So she's, her feminism is about as real as Pam Anderson's breasts. It's just, it's a joke. <laughs> you also make the excellent point that Harvey Weinstein's, he's the biggest feminist in Hollywood, right? That is what a feminist yeah. looks like. This is what a feminist <laughs> looks like, an overweight, disgusting sexual assailant. Jacob, <laughs> when you play those clips back to back, is that evidence, does that suggest that Ashley Judd was just performing with her rant about Donald Trump and the sexual assault? Or do they really not understand this cognitive dissonance? Do they really not realize 
that Harvey Weinstein is a much more vicious sexual assailant than anything Donald Trump's been accused of. I think that she was doing a performance because she doesn't like President Trump. They did the same thing to Bush, calling him a war criminal and says that he murders people and that he wants to wipe out Muslims and they're just doing the same exact thing to Trump. And then it's like, when it's one of their own, all of a sudden it clicks in, oh, we should be compassionate. We should be merciful. No, this guy is an alleged scumbag and he should be treated as such. I agree. I absolutely agree. We have to move on from this. We've talked so much about Weinstein, but I couldn't get, uh, miss one more shot at Ashley Judd. <laughs> In the realm of science, according to a recent scientific study, which is apparently 350 times more precise than previous studies of matter, antimatter, and the origin of the universe, according to this study, the universe comprises equal parts matter and antimatter. The trouble there is that those two should annihilate each other in general, and in particular to fuel the Starship Enterprise, so the, <laughs> the universe shouldn't exist. Amanda, why does the universe exist? <laughs> yeah, Just a quick question for a Thursday <laughs> afternoon. Simple softball you got question. this, Amanda. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, this is, I mean, this is gonna, you know, a lot of people on the left right now are, I mean, they're, they're gonna be really confused by this, right? Because there's going to be, they need some explanation for this. It can't be some other higher being. It cannot be religion. It cannot be any sort of um, thing that they can't touch or, or know about. So it's, it's causing a lot of problems on, on the left. I think people on the right are kind of like, that makes sense. You know, yeah. like that, that would make sense. There's a lot of things we don't know the answers to. Um, and that kind of fuels kind of how we have this, um, reverence to some higher power. So um, I can't give you a, a straight answer to that, but I, I know that people on the right are, are not very confused by this and people on the left um, are going to, you know, pour some money into more scientific research because they, they need the answer. I guess that is the point. People on the right are not confused. When you bring yeah. some crazy coincidence that happened, when you bring that statement to a Christian, you say, you won't believe it. This happened and then this happened and this fell out of the sky and this happened. Most Christians will just say, uh, yep, yeah, that's how it works. <laughs> that's right. That's how the world works. And, but the right. left is scratching their head. One of the best arguments or most compelling these days for God is that argument from fine tuning. If you change any little tiny measurement in the uh, physical laws of the universe, the whole thing falls apart. And they, they just say, wow, what a, what a crazy coincidence. Or they'll say, well, this is evidence of a multiverse, any way to explain away God. Now, Candace, lefties claim that conservatives are science deniers. They worship at the altar of science. and But scientifically speaking, we don't know anything, right? I mean, that, that's what this, this study sort of shows us. We know about very minute things. We know about very particular things in the realm of medicine or uh, engineering. But when it comes to gigantic questions, we, we know nothing. Scientists are statistically wrong all the time, right? Right. Is rejecting, I mean, is, is rejecting the false religion of scientism, is that an important part of getting red-pilled? Is that an important part of seeing the I world more accurately? I think it's an important part of getting up and out of bed in the morning. I can't like <laughs> wake up to another headline. Like, what is the obsession with how the world started, how the world's going to end? We're either dying or we don't know why we're here. I can't we're keep coming up or going. With it, yeah, I have no idea what's going on anymore with the left. They're always freaking out about something. Personally, I don't care. I know how this ends. I know how the story ends for me. I'm going to die soon. So. <laughs> but are you going to heaven? I bet you'll go to heaven. Yeah, but I'm going to heaven, absolutely. That's good. All right. That's not, you know, you become worm food for like a minute period of time, and then you get eternal glory. That's not so bad. Well, uh, I'm saying. The world is a comedy, if you ask me. Jacob, <laughs> some religious conservatives, 
I'll admit it, I'll knock our fellow religious conservative friends. They reject science per se. Uh, even though, they'll even reject discoveries like the Big Bang, which is an argument for Christian creation. It, it was called the Big Bang by atheists because they thought it was so ridiculous. It was discovered by a Catholic priest. Should conservatives resist the tendency toward being anti-science while embracing being anti-scientistic? Um, yes, I agree with you there. The, the problem is where do faith and reason begin, right? And so I think that a lot of logos. conservatives slash Christians, they go, well, science has let us down, right? Like you just said, they rejected the Big Bang Theory. They called it that to mock it because they believed in a static universe. Well, then the, Albert Einstein admitted, I see that there's a beginning of the universe, and I believe he was agnostic. But I, I, I agree with you there. I think that uh, we should not reject science right out, but just like a agnostic approaches faith with some skepticism, I think we should do the same with science, because after all, some scientists put their hope in that there's black holes in the universe. Uh, newsflash, black holes are pure, pure, purely theoretical. Not There's not been a discovery of a single black hole, so I don't see how that could be an explanation for how the Big Bang occurred. Jacob, that isn't true, obviously, because we found you in a black hole. We were wandering <laughs> around. That's where he pulled you from. I'm in one now. That's, that's right. This whole studio <laughs> is a black hole. And that distinction, the skepticism, it, it's insane that you would even have to say that, mm -hmm. that we should approach scientific experiments skeptically. Skepticism is supposed to inhere in science. That's the point. And yet now you hear people say, well, there's a consensus as if science is a democratic <laughs> enterprise, as, as if 50% plus one of people vote for something, then it's scientifically true. And they'll say, well, the science is settled. There's a little news, science doesn't get settled. It's no, <laughs> there is no settling of science. Um, yeah, that's an important distinction. I need to talk about the JFK files. We're <laughs> finally going to uncover the truth. My expert panel is going to explain what really happened in Dallas about 54 years ago. But you can't see it unless you go to dailywire.com. So we thank everybody who's already a subscriber. You help us keep the lights on. You help us keep coffee and covfefe in our Leftist Tears tumblers. But if you haven't subscribed already, go over to dailywire.com. It's 10 bucks a month or $100 for an annual membership. You get me. You get the Andrew Clavin show. You get the Ben Shapiro show. Yeah, yada, 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 yada. You get this, folks. You get the Leftist Tears Tumblr. This, by the way, is the pinnacle of scientific achievement. This is why I don't doubt science, is because this was crafted in a laboratory. It was prayerfully crafted to become the hardest, mo most trollish uh, material on the face of the earth. Obviously, for Hillary Clinton's birthday, that is the vintage that we'll be drinking today. It's really, really special. It's a 70-year-old vintage, and it will never be president. So, be, And make sure also that you subscribe to us on YouTube and like us on Facebook so you keep getting updates and you get me to harass you to go over and subscribe on The Daily Wire. Go over there right now, and we'll be right back. All remaining documents pertaining to the JFK assassination are apparently going to be released momentarily, meaning that after almost 54 years, Ted Cruz's father will finally face justice. That is wonderful. <laughs> now, for those of us who think we know what's gone on, a communist killed an anti-communist president, because, and he previously had met with communists in Mexico. 
uh, we're probably going to be surprised by all of the crazy stuff that comes out. Candace, what wacky conspiracies are going to come out of these JFK files? Um, I'm going to go with CNN will say Trump did it. Uh, <laughs> Russia is definitely to blame. Of course. They, they actually uh, might be yeah. to blame. <laughs> and the KKK had something to do with it. I don't know. The I, I don't think the narrative hate. changes at all. <laughs> Nothing will change at all if you're watching MSNBC or CNN. <laughs> That's it. Then I've got to look, because I, I was going to look at the files, but that won't be any fun because that'll just say that a communist killed an anti-communist. i got to look at CNN. Now I'll finally yeah. be able to get get uh, yeah. Donald Trump involved in all this. Jacob, <laughs> you are our resident conspiracy theorist. What are the top theories? The top theories are, it was a front. What's his name was just uh, just a bag man. He just, just for them to pick up and then for him to later die. Uh, the next one is definitely one of my favorites is that he was brainwashed in Russia as some sort of Manchurian candidate. Duh. That he was just some poor slob. You know, it, it's always the, the actual shooter he never really seems to take any blame, even though I pretty much believe in Occam's razor here. I think that he just did it, and that's the way it is. <laughs> My favorite, though, is a documentary was released a couple of years ago that blamed George H.W. Bush, mm -hmm. yeah. but, um, saying that his oil ties are the reason JFK died. It, just all these r ridiculous nonsense that have no basis in reality, just a bunch of rumors and hearsay and gossip and, and nothing that we can ever verify. I heard also that President Bush groped Jack Ruby. That's, a, that's just something that's going on around Twitter right now. So we'll see if the documents can confirm that. That's the real crime here, folks. Amanda, do you think that the left or the right is more prone to conspiracy theories? They, they both do it. They're tinfoil hats on both sides. But mm -hmm. which, which likes them more, the left or the right? Um, I think both are susceptible, sure. Um, I think with conservatives and people on the right, we naturally have a distrust for government. So perhaps we can kind of generate these things a, a little bit more. Um, but I think... But I also think people on the right are a little more educated. So there may be some um, things that they're that people on the left hear in the news and they'll just kind of accept it as facts. And it'll be some crazy conspiracy that the media have pushed out there and they'll just believe that as facts. Um, whereas people on the right, you know, they'll they'll research things, they'll look into things, and because they have this inherent distrust of government, um, they can kind of go down this path and believe things that aren't mainstream. I agree um, with that. That doesn't actually mean they're totally conspiracies either, all the time. I, I agree that the people on the right, we have more conspiracies. We come up with them because to have a conspiracy theory, you really just need kind of an active mind. So you're trying to mm -hmm. connect dots that don't really make sense to connect. But because people on the right have more active minds in that regard, we reject them so they never go mainstream. But in the Democratic Party, they're totally mainstream. How, how often did we hear Bush lied, people died, no war for oil, the Russian narrative that Donald Trump is some Manchurian candidate. We didn't hear that from fringy people on radio at three in the morning. We heard that from the candidate herself. We found that we heard that from my cousin. Yeah. It, and, and that's the point. It's always like these mainstream sound bites. Like I said, it's kind of like these, these things pushed in the media. You know, you hear it once, you see it on Facebook once, this little slogan. It's not like they researched and did all this stuff to have this crazy uh, conspiracy. No, it's something they hear, something they see. They're so susceptible to this fake news that they'll take it and run with it. And yeah, it, it is mainstream because our mainstream media helps plant those seeds and help um, push push those things. So it makes total sense. Because our Alex Jones is Alex Jones, and their Alex <laughs> Jones is CNN. <laughs> so there's <laughs> exactly. a real exactly. difference here. That's exactly, exactly right. <laughs> okay, panel, 
excellent to have you as always. Thank you for being here. Unfortunately, I have to get the mailbag right now and solve everybody's most pressing problems, like, you know, what is the universe for and all of that. Thank you for being here. Red Pill Black Catcher on YouTube, Amanda Prestigiacomo, and Jacob Airy. See you guys. Bye. Bye. Now, we have got to get to the mailbag. We have a lot of good mailbag questions today, so we'll try to run through them. This one is from Alex. Dear Sir Michael of House Knowles, the once and future King of Trolls, my question to you is related to the Catholic Church. I'm shocked. Although bear in mind this is coming from someone new to Christianity, so I may be off in my assumptions. However, it would seem that both the Orthodox and Catholic branches of Christianity claim to have supreme priesthood authority stretching all the way back to Peter. Assuming that only one of these churches can have a true claim to being the holder of the true authority, the bark of Peter, why does the Catholic Church have a legitimate claim and the Orthodox Church have an illegitimate one? So you're talking about the, the Eastern Orthodox Church would also claim uh, some succession back from the apostolic age and from Peter to be the church instituted by Christ on earth. Why aren't they? The, the reason they're not is the same reason that uh, every other church that claims it's the true church isn't the truth, you know, isn't the one that uh, you'll, you'll hear a lot of people say, well, my church was founded in 1972, but we're the real church. We, the people just didn't figure it out for 1972 years, but now we figured it out. So now we're the, we're the one that Christ is talking about the, the church that he instituted on earth. And it just took us two millennia to figure it out. Um, there are, there are, I, I have great respect by the way, for the Orthodox liturgy and much of its theology. Um, the Orthodox Church as we know it today was created in 1054, so that was a little after Christ instituted the church on earth because of the great schism that, that caused the break with Rome. Uh, the, the issues at hand were largely political, the, the issue of the Pope exerting too much authority without uh, consulting the bishops who were in the East. And uh, there, there is one theological issue, which is the filioque. The, the notion that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. So for Christians who recite the Nicene Creed, you say that I believe in the Holy Spirit which proceeds from the Father and the Son, whereas the Eastern Orthodox Church says the Holy Spirit proceeds only from the Father. Uh, the Holy Spirit, as defined by C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity and a great many theologians, and this is my view as well, uh, that the Holy Spirit is the bond of love between the Father and the Son. So the, the filioque only, the, the Holy Spirit only proceeding from the Father is uh, some, a, a theological concept that does aid a schismatic church, but it isn't true. Uh, you know, it, it uh, is a relatively recent invention when we're talking about an institution that's 2,000 years old. And, uh, and so anyway, that's why. But I, I don't want to pick on the Orthodox Church. There are a gazillion churches that occurred after the schism and after the Protestant Revolution that claim to be the one true church and all the other ones are completely wrong. And there's only one that's been around since Christ instituted it. So uh, that's why I defer to that one. The Bark of Peter, man. From uh, Paul, this email is uh, Michael. Since you recently brought up the issues about Hitler and the Catholic Church, another Catholic question, I can't believe it. I had a couple questions. One, Adolf Hitler, heaven or hell, and why? <laughs> and two, are there really any hard artifacts indicating that Adolf Hitler was excommunicated from the Catholic Church? Isn't it possible that perhaps Hitler saw himself as a true warrior for Christ and had no reason from his church's leadership to believe otherwise? Um, let's, and, and by the way, I'm only joking about not wanting to answer the Catholic questions. I, I'm obviously quite interested in it, and I, I enjoy that other people are interested in that as well. 
So this first question is a real theological conundrum. Is Adolf Hitler in heaven or hell? Now, you would think that if you're Hitler, you go to hell. But if you are the guy who killed Hitler, then you go to heaven. Now, now the difficulty here is that the guy who killed Hitler is Hitler. So which one weighs out? Now we'll have to dig into our theology because we reject the Pelagian heresy. We reject redemption through works alone. So for that reason, I imagine, I suspect that Adolf Hitler is rotting in hell. But I don't know, he could have had a conversion right before that bullet went through his head. Uh, as for his relationship to Christianity or the church, uh, he, he didn't need to be excommunicated by the church. He excommunicated himself. He didn't take communion and he held Christianity and the, and the Catholic Church in, with great disdain. So according to Albert Speer, he said that uh, Hitler often said that Christianity was the wrong religion for the German temperament. According to Speer, Hitler said, quote, you see, it's been our misfortune to have the wrong religion. Why didn't we have the religion of the Japanese who regard sacrifice for the fatherland as the highest good? The Mohammedan religion, Islam too, would have been much more compatible to us than Christianity. Why did it have to be Christianity with its meekness and flabbiness? According to Goebbels, uh, he said, uh, uh, Adolf Hitler hated Christianity, quote, because it has crippled all that is noble in humanity. Um, uh, also from Goebbels, the Fuhrer is a fierce opponent of all that humbug. Humbug referring to Christianity and the Catholic Church. And he said, quote, uh, th this is a, apparently a quote from Hitler. Science cannot lie for it's always striving according to the momentary state of knowledge to deduce what is true. When it makes a mistake, it does so in good faith. It's Christianity that's the liar. It's in perpetual conflict with itself. He doesn't provide any reason to believe that, but that's what he says. He says, the dogma of Christianity gets worn away before the advances of science. Uh, no, it doesn't. Uh, there's no, there is no conflict between faith and reason, and most of the great scientific discoveries have been made not only by Christians, but by, the, by clergymen of the Catholic Church itself. And uh, my last bit of evidence for why Hitler wasn't really a Catholic or a Christian is that he wanted to kill the Pope. <laughs> he tried to kill the Pope, and he said he'd make apologies for that later. Good thing he didn't, and we got to him first. Next question from Brian. Michael, what is your beverage of choice? A great question. You may have noticed some circles under my eyes. You, you might have, you, you know that I enjoy smoking cigars. It's because the only things I ever drink are booze and coffee and tea. So I love scotch. Uh, I like peaty scotches. I also like blended scotches. I drink Johnny Black a lot. Uh, I also drink the official whiskey of uh, old Republicans, which is Dewar's White Label. <laughs> I'm not too good for that. And uh, uh, so I drink scotch, dark rum, because it's good with cigars, tea, and coffee. And in terms of cocktails, I like Manhattan's, Negroni's, Boulevardier, Left Hand, Old Fashions, Rob Roy's, Martini's, basically anything that's wet. Because the first miracle that our Lord performed on earth was to turn the water into wine explicitly for drunk people, for people who had already been drunk during this wedding celebration. So, you know, why, why change a good thing? Why, why get rid of a good thing? Next question from Evan. Dear leader of the anti-PC underbelly, why is it the Catholics are always questioned about their loyalty to the USA and their religious beliefs? I don't know, man. I get questioned about it all the time. <laughs> you see this with many Catholics who have a life in pub the public arena that they must choose one, not both. Amy Barrett, John Mulaney, Stephen Colbert, and even the once and future King JFK. 
I know that as Catholics we have a difficult place in society, that our allegiance to the flag and to the papacy makes the rest of America uneasy, but you don't see other faiths being made to choose between country and their faith, Evan. Um, I don't totally agree with that. You're, you are right that Catholics are often looked at in America, or at least used to be, uh, as a little troublesome because there is a church that we belong to and ultimately our, our allegiance is to Christ. Uh, but the Jews get this too. Jews get this all the time with Israel. Are you really an American patriot or are you just a shill for Israel? All that bile that came out in the last election to Ben Shapiro uh, intimated as much. So we're not the only one. The Jews get it too, uh, probably because the Jews are the chosen people and the church is the, is the church on earth. Um, the words of St. Thomas More come to mind. Be, uh, I am the king's faithful servant, but I'm God's servant first. So, you know, that's what you have to deal with, but hey, people said they'd hate you for Christ's sake. Uh, rather, Christ said that people would hate you for his sake, and, uh, and so, you know, if you get some weird questions from people on the internet, that's not so bad. From George, Michael, how should I explain what liberalism, as promoted by the media and the left, is to my daughter, who is an eight-year-old in third grade, in words and ideas that children can understand? You know, George, you're in luck because that is liberalism. That is the left. You can tell her to turn on Pod Save America or Love It or Leave It. It will be in exactly the right style of language and academia for your eight-year-old to understand. Um, she'll probably go through a phase in school on, on that point. Uh, there's that old saying, if you're not a liberal when you're 17, you have no heart. If you're not a conservative when you're 30, you have no brain. Uh, I, I, even I went through a little phase in high school when I was a dirty, rotten hippie for like five minutes. And I think that's just an intellectual phase you go to because you tear down society. You have this rebellious streak and you, and you say, this is all phony baloney, like, uh, you know, uh, what's that awful novel that everyone has to read? Holden Caulfield, you know, like uh, Holden Caulfield. Oh. And uh, Catcher in the Rye. Catcher in the Rye. It's, it's a good novel, but that character is so detestable. And so you rip it down, you say, everything's phony, and really I'm a radical liberal because you're growing. It's, a, it's adolescence. It's a stage of your maturity. And then some people never get past that stage of adolescence, and we see them wearing pussy hats and screaming and crying because their preferred candidate didn't win an election. And some people do mature beyond that, and they become uh, serious people. And they, they might be liberal. You know, Dave Rubin's a, he's a serious person. You don't see him shrieking and crying because Hillary Clinton lost the election. But uh, very often, you'll become a conservative by the time you're 50, or hopefully sooner in many people's case. Um, but, I, you know, I, I would... I, I would encourage you to let people go through those phases because uh, very often you need to learn things for yourself, especially ideas, especially political realities. And, uh, and so when you get to explore that yourself, they say that converts uh, and reverts to the church are more Catholic than the Pope. The converts are the ones that are most zealous because they've arrived at it on their own. So I'd, I'd let people arrive at it on their own. It's hard to think of a guy who's more right-wing than Andrew Clavin, but he used to be a lefty. Hard to think of a guy who's more Christian than Andrew Clavin. He used to be an atheist. So uh, allowing that process of intellectual and spiritual maturity to occur is a good thing, and uh, then hopefully, <laughs> hopefully your kid comes out on the right side. From Paul, hey Michael, big fan of the show, thanks. I'm a practicing Lutheran. Can you convince me that I should be Catholic? I bet with the power of the Holy Spirit I could do that. I probably don't have time to fundamentally change your 
views of theology, uh, you know, in the next minute or two. But, uh, you know, an intellectual conversion is probably not the most important thing here. The spiritual conversion is. If you are looking and you say, I'm a Lutheran and I want to figure out all of the arguments to not be a Lutheran and then answer all of those arguments, I don't know that you'll be converted. If, on the other hand, you say, that Catholic Church is a little interesting to me, um, I wonder what that's all about, then the nice thing is that a joke about the Catholic Church is they have all the answers since they've been around so long. So you can say, what am I going to have for breakfast? What should I eat on Tuesday morning at 8.30 a.m.? And you Google it, and there's like a Catholic Answers tab about it, and they'll explain you should have eggs and bacon. That is true about a lot of things. If you are questioning aspects of the Lutheran theology and the Lutheran history, and the Lutheran disagreement with its founder, Martin Luther, which, which occurs in very important places, in particular transubstantiation, then you should Google it and, and look at the Catholic answers, answers for it. Um, th- they might be compelling to you, and look at it with the weight of history and the, the weight of the, the greatest theologians in history uh, c- contemplating these questions for two millennia. H- Hilaire Belloc said, a man who does not accept the Catholic faith writes himself down as suburban. I love that expression because he's not saying you're a terrible person or you're completely wrong or you don't know Jesus or you've never heard of Jesus. He's just saying you haven't gone all the way. You're, you're uh, stopping yourself from following ideas to their logical conclusions and uh, spiritual experiences to their logical conclusions. So I would just keep on going and follow all of those things to their logical conclusions and the, the writers and, and uh, that you can look for I love, for modern people, I love uh, Father George W. Rutler. You can read him all over the internet and look at him on YouTube. Chesterton is, is really good on this. And then the, the church fathers who explain away some of the heresies of Martin Luther. Next question from Robert. Hi, need help from the Don Juan of the Daily Wire. <laughs> I'm glad I wore my Miami Vice jacket today. Okay. A little more, you know, for the ladies. I am a big fan, thank you. I'm also Catholic. What are your thoughts on going on two first dates just days apart from each other? Why would you wait so long? I've never been good with the ladies, and now all of a sudden these two girls are interested in me and want to go out. What the heck, man? In my gut, that was him, by the way, not me. In my gut, this does not feel right. Am I right to feel this way? Or is this just some weird Catholic guilt? What should I do? Uh, You've got a really hard problem. You've got two cute girls who want to go out on dates with you. My heart bleeds, pal. I, I do understand the question. I may have done this a little bit in the, in the old days before Sweet Little Elisa. Um, everyone dates and plays the field, especially now. There is a, a Tinder culture where you can just swipe anywhere you are and you get like a thousand women to throw themselves at you. That's at least what I imagine it's like. Um, th- there's nothing wrong with playing the field. You're a single guy. You haven't made any vows before God. And, you know, you, if, you, if you say, I'm, I went on a first date with a girl and so I can't talk to any other women until six months from now. You're going to have a hard dating life. You're going to be like 150 before you find your wife, probably. Um, That said, there is a little risk here, and it's that Tinder culture. I've always lived in big cities. I lived in New York and uh, Los Angeles in my adult life, and obviously I was on a college campus, and those places you just churn through dating partners, especially now with Tinder. I'm very happy I missed that phase of technology because all of my friends in New York and LA, they say, why would I go on a third date with a girl when I have every single girl in the world one swipe away? You, there's a, you, you stop viewing them as people and you just kind of 
uh, see another chick that you can take out and you know see where where it leads from there and uh, as a result it's hard to have good relationships and it's hard to get married all, all of those friends who do that are pushing off getting married with with a few exceptions that said you're talking about two dates you're not talking about three dates in a day you're not talking about 20 dates in a week so uh, with that I think it's just your Catholic guilt getting to you be honest, be a good guy, don't, you know, try not to be a total degenerate because I appreciate the comparison to Don Juan, but if you've ever read the diaries of like Giacomo Casanova, it's dating and hanging out with a thousand chicks is really fun for a while until you get sex austed and then it becomes kind of pathetic and you, you know, you aren't a serious person. Casanova died in despair, his life was basically ruined and so uh, you know, be careful with it. Go on, you know, go on your dates, see some people, but don't don't just treat women like another swipe, uh, because not not for them, by the way, just for you, because it's going to make you <laughs> deeply unhappy and, and ruin your relationships. Okay, I hope that helps. One thing I should point out: Joe Girardi is out as the Yankees manager. Um, we're going to miss Joe Girardi very much. He got he was one game away from getting us to the World Series again. He is the last Yankee who's still on the field that was around when I became a Yankee fan as a kid during those great seasons in the 90s. So adios, Joe. I wish you weren't leaving. We really liked having you as manager. One other way to survive the weekend, the Clavenless weekend, is to listen to Another Kingdom. I found out we're now, believe it or not, my podcast with Andrew Claven, which is his latest story about a 30-year-old schlub in Hollywood who walks through a gate and becomes a murder suspect in a mythical kingdom with ogres and dead damsels and all that. It's number 11 in arts on all of iTunes. I don't know how that happened. I am shocked. I thought conservatives were Philistines with the culture. But check it out. If you can, go subscribe and leave a review. It really helps us out. We want to just as Hollywood lays in rubble, we want to take it over basically and have real art that isn't politically correct and, and isn't full of uh, scummy people like everyone else that runs Hollywood and Harvey Weinstein. So check it out. It's another kingdom. You'll survive the Clavenless weekend. And then we'll be back on Monday. So good luck, everybody. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. See you soon. Michael Knowles Show is produced by Marshall Benson. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Senior producer, Jonathan Hay. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Our technical producer is Austin Stevens. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Olvera. And our associate producer is Bailey Lynn. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire forward publishing production. Copyright forward publishing 2017.